2: Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, a show all about
3: Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by Taylor Mainberg. How are you, Taylor? I'm good. It's been another interesting week in wrestling. Uh, Before we start, this is not really... um, hasn't really gotten to the world of Joshi yet, but I just wanted to say before we start uh, getting into all the exciting things that have have been happening in the world of Joshi this week, that this, uh, the past... Few days and weeks uh, with the speaking out movement have been very important. Um, And I just wanted to say before we start, I'm very supportive. And I hope that what's happening can, um, even though it hasn't directly affected Joshi yet, I hope that what is happening will make all of wrestling better, including so. Just wanted to say that note of support before we start.
2: I could not agree more. Talked about the whole issue in a lot more depth. On the other podcast I do, Everything Elites, are interested in my further thoughts about that. You can check them out there. Uh, But we are largely on this show just going to talk about what's been going on in Joshi. If you want to follow us on Twitter, reach out to us in any way, you can find us at jbombaudio. I'm at Aaron like the car. Taylor is at T A. Mambo? I still have to come up with a
3: song. I really got to work on that. You have two weeks in between shows. I'm surprised that no work has been done. To
2: <laughs> what I basically make a song. do, Taylor, is I forget about everything for one week, and then when Monday rolls around of the week before, we're going to record again. I'm like, shit, I got to get stuff ready for the podcast for this weekend. That's usually what happens.
3: All right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Great. Uh, so I'm um, before next episode. I've had a lot going on, Taylor. I just want you to know. Yes, I'm, there I'm, ha,
3: it has been a busy time. I'll, but to be fair, you've been mentioning this for probably the past six weeks. Okay, but look, I've been
2: uh, selling my house, trying to buy a new house. That's time intensive. I, I have a job, Taylor. I don't know about you, but, you know, full-time job. I also,
3: I also have a job.
2: Yeah, sure. And I've started studying Japanese, Taylor.
3: Congratulations, what do, you, it, what do you know so far? Not very much, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. I've done a little bit of it. I've never gotten too far into it, but it is a lot of work. So I have a, an instructor and, and she's like, oh, are you
2: okay with having some homework? I'm like, yeah, that sounds fine. And then she gives me so much homework. I mean, I'm, I'm having to memorize like three pages of vocabulary. And I don't even know this language. It's very hard. So uh, I posted this on Twitter, which you can find at Aaron Like the Car. But I, I know I'm a certified weeb because the first two things I tried to write in
3: katakana were my name and then pro Those are the two things. Soon you'll be. Uh, <laughs> my my big thing was when I took a little bit of Japanese was getting one out of every 100 words watching a wrestling show. Yeah. And going, oh, I know that word. I know minasan <laughs> means everyone. <laughs> so every nice. time they say it, I'm like, they're talking to everyone. They're talking to everyone. I, I'm at the point now where I know
2: uh, all the hiragana and I know a decent amount of katakana. And so when I see tweets on Twitter, I just skip over the stuff I don't know. And I'm like, oh, I know those three sounds in a row. It's very cool.
3: You know the sounds, but what do they mean put together?
2: No idea. Not yeah. a clue. <laughs> it's so funny in the, in the lesson, she'll be like, okay, read this sentence or whatever. And I, I, it's like I'm a five-year-old, you know, because I know the sounds that it's making but it's really hard for me to string it into a word. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like when you're in school and you get called on to read and you really don't want to, you know? That's what yeah. I'm like. But I can't get away from it because I'm the only student. So uh, if you want to support my Japanese learning, subscribe to the show. It won't do anything. It'll just make me feel better if you are getting these. I mean, immediate... Actually, I can't even find out if you're subscribed to the show, but... Just the universe will cosmically send it to me, and it'll help. We'll, f-
3: we'll feel it in some way in our in our bones, sort of, yes. that you've subscribed.
2: Now, you can. If you use the Apple Podcast app, you can give us a rating and review, and I will find out about that if I ever go check, and it will you know make me feel good. So do that. You can also donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. Okay, so here's what we're going to talk about on this episode. We're going to dive deep into some new wrestling, some actual wrestling that happened in front of fans, Stardom's June 21st show. We've got a lot of news, uh, mostly about shows that are coming up, and we'll dive into a lot of those uh, briefly. And then we will close the show with a continuation of our project of going through 2011 Stardom. This week we're on the May 8th, 2011 show, so we'll talk about that. And tell you about uh, all the shows that are coming up. I guess we have basically three sections, now that I'm going through the notes, that tell you about shows that are going to happen soon. (laughs) Okay, but that's what we're going to do. But I thought it would be fun, at least for me, to jump right into the June 21st show from Stardom. The Stardom fan club show called Stardom Is Again. This was at Shinkiba First Ring and... They had approximately 100 fans. Basically, at that time when they ran the show, just uh, about a week ago, you were able to do one-third capacity. So that's about 100 fans in Shinkiba, apparently. We've talked about that at length, of what the actual uh, you know, full venue would be, of attendance-wise, for Shinkiba. But approximately 100 fans. So
3: let's just start overall. Taylor, what were your thoughts on the show? Um, I thought it was an interesting show. Obviously, they're still um, sort of outside of the ring or outside of anything that happened wrestling-wise. There's still a lot of um, emotions around the promotion with everything that's happened over the last few weeks and months. Um, but I really enjoyed the show. You know, we haven't seen stardom now for it had been over three months and it was really refreshing to 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 see i mean obviously they're one of the uh you know talent wise one of the best promotions around and i think that this show was really a reminder of that being able to see you know these wrestlers return and wrestle again and i thought that they put on a great show
2: yes stardom is my favorite wrestling promotion, period. And it was comforting in a lot of ways with everything that's gone on. It was comforting in a lot of ways. To just get to watch them have a show. And there were some fans there, so you had the fan noise. That was nice. And you got one really good match, I think. And we'll discuss our thoughts on the matches as we go through them. But, you know, that's good for me and, and a couple of other fun matches. So I'll take that. Uh, but it was just nice to see some of these people. I was just happy to see them. I I don't know if there was anything noteworthy that happened in these sections that maybe Taylor will talk about, but I did skip, uh, just so everybody knows, I skipped the unit promos, the 10-bell salute, and the promo at the very end of the show because I'm just not quite ready to engage in that at this point. Uh, it was hard enough emotionally to watch some of the tribute spots throughout the show. So I missed those, but if, if there was anything notable that Taylor wants to throw in, I'm sure that he will.
3: Yes. Yeah, so, oh, you want me to go ahead and say I just have one sure. sm- small note about the uh, unit promos. Some of them were very emotional, but they did start with an Aaron. You might get mad at me because I'm about to sort of uh, dig on your favorite. Oh, I the, don't like that. The unit promos started with a, a Queen's Quest <laughs> promo led by Momo Watanabe, who began the promo very confusingly by saying, Today, it's been about a month. <laughs> yeah. And I was... And then she said, maybe it's been three months? And I was very confused about how she would have thought it's only been one month since the show.
2: Well, I mean, time does
3: feel time a little a, different right now. Time is a bit strange. It is a bit strange. But I was very thrown off when she w- said, it's been a month. And I said, I was like, it's been longer than a month. But that was really... My only sort of that sort of got a chuckle out of me right off the top. It was the first line of any of the promos because all the (laughs) promos were done together because it was a sort of mystery vortex type show where no one knew what the matches would be until they were announced or until the music hit. So they were all done together. But Queen's Quest had the first one uh, led by Momo Watanabe getting the time since the last show confused. So that that gave me a laugh.
2: (laughs) I did miss the, the pre-match promos. That's a lot of fun. I'll look forward to those returning in the future. The The opening match of the show, Rina versus Hina versus Natsu Sumire. uh Rina, surprisingly, got the win. I assumed Natsu would get the win, but Rina got the win with the Hydrangea. So a nice little way to start the show with a shout out to Hanakamura. Um, honestly, I thought this match was a ton of fun. It reminded me how much I love stardom, bizarrely, with these three, but it really did. Uh, but most importantly, it reminded me that Rena and Hina are still pretty bad and that Taylor would have run them off from this promotion by now, if our last episode
3: is any indication. No, no, I'm not running anyone off. I'm not running anyone off, to be clear. Um, I, I resent having words put in my mouth. Um, I have to say, speaking of the connection between old stardom and new stardom, when I opened this first, um, actually a great thing stardom has done now is they upload the, or they did at least for this show, uploaded the full show, um, as one video file, which I thought was great. But at that point I had already watched some of the matches in pieces. Um, so I didn't watch the full video file, but I thought that was very cool of them. And I hope they do that more often. But anyway, I watched this file, and I don't know if it's because I've become so used to the short match lengths of the 2011 stardom, but I saw the 14 and a half minute running time of this video file, and I was really uh, sort of taken aback and surprised. Uh, Usually the opening matches for stardom are pretty short, and this one only went just under nine minutes, so it was still fairly short. But a little bit shocked. I don't really have much to say about the match. I thought it was fine. Like Aaron, I enjoyed seeing these wrestlers that I've missed. So that was really my main thought about this match.
2: Yeah, it's like, you know wrestling's back when Natsu Sumire is thrusting her crotch into uh, some teenagers. I mean, that's really, that's what you want out of pro wrestling, I think. At least I do. (laughs) Taylor's not going to touch that. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm, I'm leaving. I'm letting that one hang. <laughs> uh, next up, Death
2: Yama-san defeated Saki Kashima with a crucifix. Uh, this was really bad. The only notable thing that happened was that uh, Sarah, my wife, was watching or was sitting on the couch with me as I was watching this show, and she um, mixed up Saki Kashima and Saki Akai at first. I thought it was Saki Akai. So it's like... First of all, fucked up that she has any idea who either of those people are. Uh, second of all, funny that she got a mix.
3: Um, I was shocked by the out. I was uh, shocked by the result. And I know that we've talked about this. We talked about this, I think, last time we covered Modern Stardom, which was back in March at some point. But what is going on with Saki? Uh, she turned, she joined Oedo Tai, and now seemingly is losing to everyone? So I don't really, you know, you turn her to give a fresh coat of paint, but now she seems to be sort of the lost post of the group. So I was I was a bit uh, sort of thrown off by the result.
2: Yeah, I don't know what, what is going to happen for Saki. I mean, she was kind of lost in stars, I thought. Everyone had kind of surpassed her. And then it felt nice, like, oh, well, she's going to get a, a new start in Oidotai, and maybe something will hit for her. She got that big spot on the No People Gate show, as I recall. She had a title match, I believe. And, she, I mean, she lost. But, you know, at least it was nice that she was in the match. Uh, but, yeah, here she is losing to Death Yamasan. And and Oedo Tai is just in a very strange position at this point. Obviously, Kagetsu and Hazuki are gone. Oedo Tai is a little uh, firmer when they have B. Priestley and Jamie Hayter around, which is not possible right now. But... Yeah, it's just a a weird time for the group. Next up, Konami. Speaking of Tai, Konami defeated Natsuko Tora. Uh, Of course, this was by disqualification. Natsuko had uh, the chain that she brings out and she just kind of hanged her over the top rope. Uh, This, I thought, was just like plodding and not very good. I think I'm one of the highest people on Tora generally. But uh, it just kind of feels like, and it's hard to judge people because they, they have had a three-month layoff, but it feels like over the last few shows, Natsuko is stagnating a little or, or maybe getting worse. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's this new gimmick that she's trying to work, but it, it hasn't been as good as I'd hoped for Natsuko.
3: Yeah, I think that it's something where the, the gimmick isn't quite a great fit, maybe yet. I don't know, maybe it becomes a good fit. Uh, down the line but it just seems very strange. I mean, as you just mentioned Oedo Tai now down to 3 people who all appeared in the first 3 matches. It's a little bit it's a little bit odd now because it feels like it feels almost to me like they want to make a new a different sort of group but they don't want to get rid of the Oedo Tai name because it has some sort of draw with the fans of the company who are familiar with it from it having existed for the last few years and been very popular and had very popular wrestlers. But it might almost, to me, seem like something where you say we're getting rid of this name and we're starting our own thing, which is going to be similar but different because now they're sort of weighed down by the expectations of being in this group that's had all of these very well-known, very well-respected, very well-liked wrestlers. So it just all doesn't seem... To be quite fitting together with really the whole, as we just talked about with Saki and now with uh, Natsuko, it just doesn't seem to be quite gelling and meshing quite yet. I don't know, down the line, once they start running shows regularly again and they get more of an opportunity to sort of tweak and get more comfortable with this, maybe it turns around, but currently it's, it's not for me.
2: I also wonder what would have happened if they could have done the, the draft this year. I think that usually happens in, happens in April, if I'm not mistaken. So we kind of lost out on that. I wonder if they'll still try to do it and, and mix this up a little bit. They obviously were, were trying to do some movement in the units outside of the draft, like when we saw B. Priestley come to tie. But of course, she and Jamie Hayter cannot get into Japan right now. But I, I, I do wonder if they will... Just try to mix things up a little more and get some more star power into this group. I think a real problem is, I don't know if this is true or not, but it seemed like Natsuko may have beaten Arisa Hoshki at No People Gate for the White Belt if Arisa hadn't been injured and missed that show. And that might have provided a little bump, although it would have been difficult since, you know, then they took three months off of shows. But they do need something to boost the interest the star power uh the excitement around this group and i'm not sure what it is at this point
3: yeah and it's a bit strange because before all of this uh shutdown happened you know back around uh the cinderella tournament and maybe for the few months before there was all this talk i mean i know we talked about it on this show about how you know totally the, this roster was totally full it felt like it was overflowing with all of this talent and now of course with the lockdown you don't have any gaijin wrestling on the shows and obviously they've had the events of the past few months with uh, Hana and then the retirement uh, Arisa and then all of a sudden looking at this show it was like oh the roster does seem it now all of a sudden has gone from feeling like it's over stuff to feeling very sort of small. Now, that's not a total negative. They still have a lot of super talented people, as we will talk about in the main event. But it's just they're now all of a sudden in an interesting position, which is totally different than the interesting position that they were in maybe in January and February. So I'm interested to see. I don't know when, you know, someone like Jamie Hader will be able to get into the country. I don't know if that's going to be in a month or if it will be in four months. I have no idea. And that would probably make some of this feel a little bit different, having those few people come over and sort of give a boost to this roster. But it's an interesting thing that came up in my mind watching the show and something to, to look at in the next few months as the promotion sort of starts running more regularly again.
2: That's true. Another thing that would have filled out this roster a little more is Jungle Kiona, who was not ready to wrestle yet. On this show. So, you know, that's another person who's there, but we didn't get to see on this show. Next up was uh, the, the Queen's Quest tag match. Everybody in Queen's Quest out. Azumi and Momo Wadnabe versus Sayakamitani Mitani and Utami Hayashita. Time limit draw. 20-minute time limit draw. What did you think about this match, Taylor?
3: Um, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was enjoyable. Wish there would have been a uh, definitive winner. I always prefer a winner, but I understand about going to a time limit draw. But we have to talk about, I did tease on our Twitter account, lots of new looks in this match in terms of uh, the outfits that people were wearing. Lots of fringe I noticed on the show. Fringe has become very popular as a uh, outfit style in stardom.
2: Yeah, Tall Sia was out here looking like Tatanka with her
3: new gear. It was and um, fringe everywhere. I think Utami's gear sort of looks like Nyla Rose's gear in AEW with the fringe in the front. It's black. It has the black fringe of the front. That was the first thing that came to my mind when she came out. I was like, Whoa, she looks like Nyla Rose.
2: That's it. I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right about the front of the gear. I was trying to place like the, the shorts or whatever that, that she had on as bottoms. They were also like way different from what she normally wears. I was trying to place who kind of, wears bottoms like that and I really couldn't come. Yeah, totally new look. Utami also dyed her hair blonde and she and Saya both pulled their hair back, which was different for both of them. And so everybody just looked a lot different, at least the two of them. Uh, Momo looked pretty similar, but she had some new gear. And Azumi, basically, I guess her hair was a little different and she had added some purple to it, uh,
3: but a pretty similar look for Azumi. I will say Utami seems to, she seems to go through the most changes to her look. I feel like since she debuted, she's had, in my mind, thinking back, she's had probably four or five distinct sort of looks that I can think of. I don't know if that's because, I don't know, maybe it's her preference and she just likes trying new things or whether it's someone backstage saying, hey, let's try, you know, something else in terms of a look to see what happens. I don't know, but she seems to be someone who changes, at least in some ways, maybe not the entire look, but seems to change quite a bit.
2: Yeah, she started with that, like, shooter-type look. And then, thereafter a while, she decided, I guess, to look a little more like the rest of Queen's Quest. And that look yesterday, just or not yesterday, but that's when I watched it, just kind of blew me away, a very different look for her. It didn't yeah. it didn't feel like any Utami look that I'd seen before. But, uh, as for the match, I mean, it's going to be shocking to no one, that I loved it.
0: Uh, I
3: had it at four stars, Taylor. What about you? Okay, I had it, I think... I had it probably around three and a half, maybe like a strong three and a half, closer to three and three quarters. Okay. Uh, so I wasn't I wasn't far off of you. Um, yeah, I just thought uh,
2: Momo and Saya had a really fun little back and forth. And Azumi it was just kind of her normal house of fire. And then you had this Momo Utami section that was basically like a, an excellent singles match in the middle of the, or toward the end of this tag, I guess. The last... And it felt like the last half of the match was just the two of them going at it. And I don't know if this is headcanon or not, but it feels like with some of the stuff that happened on the last show and then with the post-match here, which we'll talk about in a second, it felt to me like a fight for who was going to lead this unit. And that's why both finishers were, were broken up. So they both hit their finish, but their tag partner broke up the tag. And then... When it went to a draw, I thought that was kind of cool because it, it lets that story keep going of who's going to lead Queens Quest uh, for now.
3: Yeah, and I think it's of it's it's an interesting matchup in that I think all four now obviously Saya is the newest of the four of these wrestlers by quite a large margin, but these are four very interesting. S- They're very interesting wrestlers to me in terms of where they will fit moving into the future of this company. I mean, they're all four very talented, but someone like uh, Azumi, who has sort of been, um, to me, in Queen's Quest, but sort of on that second level, clearly behind someone like Momo. But she's super talented, and I wonder if there's a world in which, you know, we talked about, well, will these units... Now that they're sort of in these strange alignments, will they be mixed up through something that isn't necessarily a draft or something like that? But maybe this is the beginning of some sort of queen's quest. Um, I guess I'll say breakup or division or something like that to, to give the ability to have more of these, you know, to have Azumi sort of take a bigger role uh, to have Utami take a bigger role in the company. Obviously Momo has been champion sort of is already pretty close to the top. But these are four very talented wrestlers that I could see being leaders in their own right. And it's interesting now that they're all in the same group where all of them being leaders isn't going to be possible.
2: That's absolutely true. And you look at the fact of the many retirements that they've had recently. And of course the untimely death of Hanakamura and you still see that the future of this promotion is is very uh, good, very strong. I mean, they're stacked in a lot of ways with with wrestlers. Of course, in Joshi, people retire <laughs> very early, so it's possible you know you lose some of these people. But nothing about the the loss of some of the people at the top of this promotion you know makes me start to think like, what you know, what are they going to do? Where where is Stardom going to turn? Because you got people like I mean, Momo is what twenty years old. And uh, Azumi is 17, I think. So they got plenty of people that they can turn to. And yeah, I could definitely see a real fascinating story kind of playing out between Utami and Momo, who were already kind of rivals when Momo was uh, White Belt Champion. I mean, they had a little bit of a rivalry. And I can see that playing out into, uh, like you said, some sort of dissension in the team. Uh, after After the match... Utami said that she and Saya wanted to challenge for the Goddesses of Stardom tag titles. And Momo pointed out that the last time she and Azumi uh, challenged, they lost. I'm sorry, Momo and Utami challenged, right? And uh, they lost. Kamatani came out immediately. Momo said she wasn't as good of a leader as she needed to be. And so she gave her blessing for Saya and Utami to bring the tag belts back to Queen's Quest. So yeah, I feel like they're furthering that little story somehow. I can imagine Utami and Saya winning the belts and that creating a little bit of issue between Utami and Momo perhaps, but we'll see. Next was the main event of the show and it was an eight-person tag team match with Donna Del Mondo taking on STARS. The STARS team was Mayu Iwatani, Saya Ida. Starlight Kid and Tom Nakano, the Dona Del Mundo team, Julia, Micah, Shuri, and the debuting Himeka Arita, who was just called Himeka here.
3: Yeah, exciting stuff. It was sort of a surprise um, debut. They had her in the beginning of the show during the during the promos, during the group promos as X, even which was a, a bit strange because. Unless I missed something on Twitter, they hadn't been hyping up any sort of ex-wrestler or any surprise, and no one knew the card uh, going into the show, so it was a bit strange. But yes, very uh, very interesting to see her here. There was some thought that she might end up in Ice Ribbon because they have a show coming up in a few weeks called Jumbo Ribbon, and Jumbo is uh, one of Himika's nicknames. But it doesn't appear, I don't know, maybe she... Um, has some sort of deal like Shuri where she can work other promotions. I don't think so, but we'll see as the weeks and months progress, whether that is the case or whether she is exclusively a stardom wrestler.
2: Really love when stardom does a debut of someone that the crowd really doesn't know that well, (laughs) but they play it like it's a big deal. very funny to me. It feels like with Donna Del Mondo, almost every time they've done one of these, that's what's happened. So I've enjoyed that. Um, I mean, Shuri
3: continues to work elsewhere, right? Or she was before. She still does, yes, because she still works in Ice Ribbon. She actually, we'll talk about it in probably a few minutes, she worked a Real Japan show recently, so she is working elsewhere. Um, So, yes, she is sort of a, still a freelance, she's sort of in the position that Hiroyo Matsumoto was in a few years ago, where she was sort of majorly in stardom, she was a uh, champion in stardom, but she also worked, for example, she worked in Oz Academy at the time, and I think she also worked Ice Ribbon maybe. So to me, it's sort of a throwback to that sort of deal where you're a major factor in stardom, but also you work elsewhere, which I thought at this point with Bushy Road coming in would go away. That was my assumption, but clearly at least at this point – I don't know if there's going if they will reach a point where they offer her an exclusive contract or not, but right now she is able to she is able to at work at least work some other places because she has in the past few weeks.
2: Yeah, and as for Micah, she continues to work in Just Tap Out, of course, which is where she came from. But they may have some sort of deal related to that uh, since she's been in Stardom. But it it seems like this unit is like legit freelancers other than Julia, of course.
3: Yeah, so it'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see if Himiko ends up working other places or if she becomes Stardom exclusive, because one thing I was thinking, I saw the announcement about that she had come in. Obviously, um, I was following along with the Twitter, and they announced that it was her. And, you know, we sort of had this conversation before the shutdown, and I think that this was in the works before that because Himiko left Actress Girls... Um, In early March, or she announced that she was leaving at the end of the month in March. early In early March, she announced she was leaving at the end of the month, is what I meant to say. So this seems like it's been in the works, at least somewhat, even before all this shutdown happened. So it's less of a response to the fact that they've lost a few people on this (laughs) roster. Um, And I think my first inclination was sort of being like, oh, another person. Oh, gosh, stardom is swallowing up another person. You know, from an, from another promotion. I think on this podcast, I had expressed a little bit of reservation about that happening. But really thinking about it now, I mean, looking through, Siri came in and, as we just talked about, is still working other places. Um, Micah is still working in Just Tap Out. I don't know what's going to happen with Himika. Uh, Julia's really been the only person who has come into stardom and been exclusively a stardom wrestler. I was even thinking about one sort of big absence from this show was Riho. Uh, I figured that Riho would be on the show. She's in Japan at this point, and she is wrestling other places. She's scheduled for the Makoto Produce Show for Nico Pro. That's happening on July 4th. They just announced her for a DDT show in July, uh, where she'll be teaming up with Hiroshima and Antonio Honda. So it was a bit odd for me. That was another one when when she came in, it was like, oh, stardom's getting all these people. But really, the people they've gotten have continued to either work elsewhere or not really that often appear in the promotion, except, as I said, for Julia.
1: Card bill.
3: But I think currently, you know, my sort of reservations I had when this all initially started a number of months ago have been sort of assuaded by the fact that many of these people are still sort of working in the larger world. of.
2: Himeka uh, also got the win in this match. He submitted submitted Saida with a
3: torture rack type move. Uh, what did you think of the match overall? So I thought this match was awesome. I loved it. I've been on this podcast as someone who's sort of on the fence about Donna Del Mundo. Uh, Back when they were a three-person unit, I thought it was sort of a very small unit. Maybe too small. But adding Himika was really great. I thought all four of them had moments in the match that they really stood out. Um, Even Micah, who is clearly the least experienced of the four of them, Had a great moment later in the match where she was, where it was sort of chaos. It broke down and she was judo throwing people um, in the middle of the ring, which I thought was great. There was a Julia and Tom um, sort of back and forth that continued after the match. They had a, a little bit of a pull apart brawl at the end, which I thought was really great. And I thought everyone looked really good and I thought it was an awesome match. I went four and a quarter stars. So I really super enjoyed it and thought it was great. And this was the first time for me that Donna Del Mondo really clicked for me.
2: Yeah, I've really, I don't know, it was something about adding jumbo here that I was like, oh, this unit is really cool. Like it was just something about it that it now it feels like it has a an aesthetic and a, uh, a feeling, a sense that like clicks with me also and uh, makes me enjoy it. Although I... I as I recall, after the last show, I was kind of starting to come around on Julia. Uh, also, Julia looks like a different person since the last time we saw her. Did did you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean there. I mean, there's <laughs> been obviously a lot of changes that have gone on as we talked about in the last match. But I mean, she looked very similar for me. Um,
2: well, I'm just yeah, saying she
3: had really. She's.
2: I don't know what she's been doing, but she clearly has leaned out a lot, and just like her arms look smaller and her. It, I don't know if her. I guess her hair probably grown longer. And I don't know, I was like, wow, Julia just looks strikingly different from the last time we saw her, I thought.
3: Yeah, and I don't know, and this really applies for all wrestling as it sort of comes back from this period of some promotions having no shows or maybe only one show, that many people look different. I don't know if stardom was, I don't know if they were holding practices, if they were doing anything. I don't know exactly what they were doing. Um, so I think some of that is sort of the natural, you know, if they weren't practicing, some of it may just be the natural. You're sitting at home. You're not doing as much as you usually do. You're not wrestling every week like you're used to. Yeah, I could I, I could see that. And, you know, I've seen some changes through some other various wrestlers um, from sort of before and after period.
2: As I said earlier, I, I skipped the post-match promo based on a uh, a warning from, from you, Taylor. So was there anything in here that was Newsworthy that we we need to know as far as storylines or anything going forward?
3: No, nothing newsworthy. Uh, Donna Del Mundo won the match, so they got the post-match promo. It was mostly about, you know, welcome back. We're glad to be here. Here's Himika. She's our new, you know, she's a new person in Donna Del Mundo. So that was really the main thrust. There was the, as I mentioned, um, I think right after the match, ended there was a small pull apart between Tom Nakano and Julia so it seems like they may be setting that up maybe for a singles match down the line or something like that Um, but that was really the big that was the biggest possible storyline implication from the after the after match promo
2: okay well that is everything that happened on the June 21st stardom show I, I don't know I had their Twitter muted I was trying to avoid a little bit so
3: I don't know have they set up their next show I checked. I didn't see anything on the Twitter, because um, I looked as well, because right before the show, I was wondering. I was saying, oh, when are they going to have the next show? I don't know. It may be that they haven't decided, or maybe it, it they could do what they did here, which is they'll announce the show the week before, and it'll sort of be another mystery show. I don't know, but as of now, they have not said, at least that I've seen.
2: Well, this, I mean, for me, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, but I, I do hope to see them get back into you know, storylines and and narratives that are that will be fun to follow. But overall, really enjoyed this show.
3: Yeah, super fun show. I recommend checking it out. As I said, they put the complete um, show file up so you can watch it all. You don't have to click out. And I think the whole show in total with all the pre-match promo and the post-match promo and everything is only an hour and 45 minutes. So it's a fairly quick show easy to get through, easy watch. So definitely recommend it, especially the main event, which I thought was really, really great.
2: I was thinking of how reminiscent it it was of of 2011 stardom. (laughs) I was realizing how short the show was. All right, well, let's get into the news from the week. The the first thing we have here is that Actress Girls is opening a sub-brand called Action Ring Girls.
3: Yeah, they tweeted, they started a, a Twitter account, Action Ring Girls, There isn't a lot of details yet as to what that is. They had some video of some people training. Uh, Tehanma was there and Act Yazukawa, who many people may know from stardom, did tweet about it. Don't know if that means that she's heavily involved or if she's involved at all. We don't know. Um, I actually tweeted about it from the Jumping Bomb Audio Twitter account and received a reply back from them, actually, which was um, fairly exciting. And they said, uh, just very briefly, they said, uh, we look forward to the day we can show off. So it looks like they are preparing uh, for whatever this will be with a few trainees and Tehanma. So we'll see what happens with that.
2: We've talked in the past episodes about all the, all the Joshi or just j- Japanese wrestling that Uh, IWTV, independentwrestling.tv, has been adding to their service. And this week we found out that Battle Arts is coming to IWTV, or actually did come to IWTV on Friday night,
3: right? Well, they added a few shows, I think just on demand a week or so ago, um, from, I believe, 2009 to 2011, that period, which is sort of late Battle Arts. Battle Arts started in 1995 last night on Friday They streamed another show, which was from 2009, Uh, and we bring it up just to say that throughout the history of battle arts, they haven't been super consistent with this, but they have featured Joshi wrestlers. Last night on the show, they had a match with Kana, who of course is now Asuka in WWE, but they also have some matches up from their other shows that feature Kyoko Kimura, Toshi Uematsu, Carlos Amano. So it's usually just sort of one Joshi match a show. It isn't the entire show. But if you're interested in that, it's certainly a very interesting shoot style promotion. So it's a little bit different than some of the uh, Joshi promotions that were around at the time. So you can check that out. Also, our last episode, I mentioned that IWTV hadn't uploaded any Pure J to the service. So, of course, hours after I said that, very confidently, they uploaded a Pure J show to IWTV. It's their debut show from back in twenty uh, August of 2017. Um, an interesting show. but So if you've been waiting for Pure J on IWTV, they have that show up now to watch.
2: And speaking of Pure J, they're going to be running their third anniversary show and Leon's 20th anniversary show on August 10th at Corrigan Hall.
3: Yeah, they announced that. Uh, don't think they've announced any of the matches yet. I know that they have a show uh, coming up just a little bit from when we're recording this on the 28th. Uh, so maybe that will lead into some match announcements for that fairly big show, their third anniversary. And obviously, Leon, who's one of their bigger stars, her 20th anniversary show.
2: And about six days later, Wave is going to be at Coriquin Hall. They'll be celebrating Hero A's retirement and holding the opening round of the Catch the Wave tournament.
3: Yeah, Hero A is, you know, I was sort of disappointed to hear that she was retiring at the beginning of the year. She announced that she'd be retiring. Um, I thought that maybe with the shutdown, maybe she would extend her time a little bit because I think she's a great wrestler, and I think she really, you know, helps Wave out in terms of, you know, another talented wrestler. Wave doesn't have a huge, gigantic roster, so I always thought that she was very valuable, but it appears that that, Uh, retirement will still be happening, which is a bit of a bummer. But it is exciting to hear that it will be the opening round of Catch the Wave. It'll be interesting to see with everything going on, who will be involved in that tournament, how many dates they'll have. It's usually a fairly long-running tournament. So I will definitely be keeping my eyes peeled to see if they get any outsiders or things like that and who will be involved in that tournament, which is usually one of the highlights uh, of the joshi year each year
2: another big tournament that is going to be coming up is the tokyo princess cup it was supposed to be held uh from may to july now it's going to take place from august 8th to august 29th and they will have six shows total
3: yeah that's always another uh fun tournament uh glad to see that they have rescheduled it they will be having i think I don't know off the top of my head, but it usually involves most, if not all, of their talent. So a good opportunity, if you're not too familiar with Tokyo Joshi, uh, to watch that and really get familiar with a large portion of their roster. And they usually have some pretty good matches, you know, obviously all singles matches for that. And they're usually got some pretty good matches.
2: And they've just posted their May 31st pay-per-view up on Wrestle Universe, which used to be DDT Universe. Uh, So hopefully you didn't pay $15.
3: Yes, if you didn't pay $15, you can now see it. That was the one that was on reclive.tv. I did watch it back in May. It's a very fun show. I highly recommend checking it out. Some very fun matchups and very well put together show. So if you're looking for some Tokyo Joshi to watch and you haven't seen that yet, I recommend checking it out.
2: All right, next up on the show, we'd like to do a segment called Spark Notes, which is is shows that we're not going to dive deeply into. We just kind of want to talk about a match or two here or there. Although my understanding is none of these shows have happened yet.
3: (laughs) Some of them have happened. Some of them haven't happened yet. It's sort of a strange mix. We're sort of at a point. A lot of shows tend to, you know, now that we're sort of in the situation we're in, seem to be happening on Saturdays and Sundays, which means, and we record this on the weekends, which means that some shows... That we're recording now. As we're recording now, haven't happened, but by the time this is out, will have happened. So they're in this section, even though they have not aired yet. But we'll talk a little bit about them, um, just so you're aware and you can seek them out when you hear. All right, well, tell us what uh, what's coming up or what you've been watching. So the first thing I watched is on Nico. Nico had a Real Japan uh, show, which is a smaller promotion. They had one uh, Joshi match. Which was put together by Miyako Matsumoto. And it's a tag match. It's Miyako Matsumoto and you versus Shuri and Micah Ozaki from Ice Ribbon. It's a fun match. Uh, it's interesting to see. The show is at Shinjuku Face. Uh, I didn't watch the rest of the show, I just watched the Joshi match. It's fun. It's a good way to see some talent mix it up that maybe you might not see go head to head. There was also a Tokyo Joshi show on 620. Not a lot of big things happening there. Um, not a lot, not a big storyline show, but some fun matchups. Um, Ice Ribbon has been doing a lot of shows, but the biggest show they've done recently um, happened actually just hours before we recorded this. Uh, Ice Ribbon from June 27th, which featured two title matches: the the mother daughter IWGQ title match between Hamuko Hoshi and Ibuku Hoshi, and a triangle ribbon title match with Tei Hanma successfully defending her triangle ribbon championship. Also at that show, they announced that Hamuka Hoshi will be taking on Maya Yukihi for the Ice Infinity title on July 12th. I believe, I haven't seen the show yet, but I believe that is because Hoshi beat Yukihi in the finals of the IWGQ Tournament. That's how she earned that title shot. Diana excitingly announced that they will be live streaming a show on YouTube on June 28th. It's a really great card actually. Sakushi from Ice Ribbon going up against Haruka Umasaki. Madeline going up against Akane Fujita. And then a tag match of Keoru Ido and Nanami going up against the Diana champion Ayako Sato and Kawasaki Rainbow Girl. And then I in what I believe is the main event, Jaguar, Yakoda, Yumiko, Hoda, and Cherry are facing off in a three-person match. Seedling had a show this week that was on a service called Live It. Uh, I had never heard of Live It before this week. It's some sort of live streaming jazz service. I'm not really sure. They live-streamed that show, and as of now, it hasn't been put up on demand, unfortunately. It aired at 6 a.m., at least Eastern Time, in the United States, so I wasn't able to watch it. I'm hopeful that they put it up on some service like Nico because it featured a great main event of the best friends, uh, Arisa Nakajima and Tsukasa Fujimoto, going up against Yoshiko and Hiroyo Matsumoto which this is all building towards July 13th. Uh, Seedling is having a show at Korokin Hall, which will feature Yoshiko versus Arisa Nakajima for the Beyond the Sea title. That show will also feature Riko Shirai, who will be making her professional debut. Um, That show will be airing on Samurai in the middle of July, and we will definitely be covering that show on this show. And then finally, two other shows, Marvelous on July 28th is having another dojo show. They've had a few dojo shows. They're very fun. They're only about an hour to an hour and a half. Those air on Fresh Live TV on the Marvelous streaming service. Definitely worth checking out. And Pure J has a show. Uh, I don't know whether this will be airing. It might be airing on the Pure J streaming service. I don't think they've said anything yet, but that show is headlined by Manami Katsu and Mari Manji challenging Makoto and Mooka Haruhi for the tag team champion. So that is sort of everything that has happened recently. That's quite a lot as I was running through it, uh, but a lot of exciting stuff as Joshi really starts to get going again after their long break.
2: Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to talk a lot about, you know, current Joshi coming up soon. That's the plan. Uh, but since on this show, we only had one new show to talk about, a full show to talk about, we have decided to continue our Stardom 2011 project. So we're going to talk now about the show from May 8th, 2011. Uh, leading up to this show, Yu Yamagata was announced as X for uh, the first Stardom six-person tag match. Yamagato was uh, from Kaintai Dojo trained in Arcion and ends up sticking around stardom for uh, the next six months or so before she ends up in Wave. Uh, and then we have one more news note that comes after this show. So let's get into the show. May 8th, 2011, we're back at Shinkiba First Ring. About 308 fans. So, you know, about three times as many. We're at the, uh, the show on June 21st of this year. Started the show with Tomoka Nakagawa defeating Ari Sousa and Taylor well I want to first hear from you uh, Nakagawa wins with a fisherman suplex
3: I want to first hear from you are you going to apologize to Ari I will apologize to Ari Sousa because one of my notes from this match is this is by far the best Ari match in of the what six <laughs> matches that she's had In her career. Not even close. She looks so much better. She has a fire behind her. She's really going after it. She has a great slap in the middle of the match. Which I thought was really great. She slaps Nakagawa. Uh, She puts on a nice ankle lock. Which I really liked. She had a weird submission. Where she sat on Nakagawa's head. And then used her arm. To like choke her or something. It was not clear. Look. She still has some issues. There were some moves that were not done well, that were missed. Running the ropes still appears to be a little bit of a challenge. But finally, I feel like finally, we are seeing definitive improvement. And that's all thats all I was looking for, was some improvement, and now we're seeing it. You know, I think it's
2: sad that you had to throw in some of those criticisms at the end. Uh, I worry a little bit about why you feel the need to do that when... I mean, she just had an excellent match. She basically, she clearly heard your comments from the last episode and uh, proved you wrong this time. Out uh, and might as well have just, you know, cut a promo on you after the match, telling you how you inspired her uh, to to be even better.
3: Look, I'll say this: if me offering some critiques makes the next match I watch better. I will critique every wrestler on this roster. Wow. It's just it's just a little sad.
2: That's all I'm saying. I just I feel for you, Taylor. Uh, you know, some of us just some of us just focus on joy when we watch wrestling. I
3: cannot believe, I cannot believe this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Next up, Haruka taking on Natsuki Tayo. I went to a draw. The uh, the fun part here, I mean, we've learned in these shows. Guaranteed heel heat, cheating against a child. And Natsuki Tayo seems
3: to just revel in the crowd's boos as she uh, as she cheats. I did write, prior to the match beginning, I wrote, can you believe it, a five-minute draw? And I was...
2: Uh, <laughs> okay, it's a three-minute draw, first of all.
3: Oh, is it a three-minute draw? Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was slightly off. I was right in the draw part, but... Um, You know, I don't know that there's all that much new to say. I think all of these matches sort of are similar. As you mentioned, they're, you know, you attack a child, you get some heel heat. But, you know, I don't know. I don't really have much, that much to say about these matches anymore because they all sort of run together in my brain and in my mind.
2: They do. Uh, Yoko Bido defeated Arisa with a spin kick. And I thought this was really good. I was, I need to look back at the other matches, but I was thinking like, they haven't had a lot of really good singles matches in the in the promotion yet. And this has got to be one of the better ones.
3: I like this match, although I was thinking halfway through that um if anyone's ever sorry to say, but if anyone's seen any old UWFI, they used to do a thing where on some shows, like in the middle of the show, they would just have like a kickboxing match for some reason. And I was thinking, you know, these are maybe the two best kickers in the promotion. And I was sort of wishing that they had made this like a kickboxing um, exhibition or match because my favorite part of the whole match was the kicks. I mean, there were some really great kicks. Arisa's crane kick that she uses seemingly looks awesome every time she uses it, which seems so rare for something like that. You know, you think about all the super kicks you've seen in your life and how many of them just didn't look good. That every time she hits it, it looks like death. It looks... Like it makes full 100% actual contact with the person's head. Uh, so, yeah, I I also enjoyed it. Um, but my favorite part was those good kicks. Well, Arisa right, so was a shoot kickboxer. Yes. Yeah, but, but just because you're a kickboxer doesn't mean that will transition well to the world of, you know, it would be very easy for her to go in and actually kick people in the head. I don't think she's actually kicking people in the head like she would if she were in a kickboxing match she should try that and see what happens just become a shoot become the shooter of stardom yeah the stardom shooter it's funny
2: too because she's like so bubbly and just the idea of her just like kicking someone's head off is kind of fun all right main event time this was a quick show as they pretty much all are uh the team of nasuki tayo yoshiko and yu yamagata defeated mayo iwatani nanai takahashi and aikawa Um, Yoshiko pinned Mayu And I think I reached the point That you did last week Taylor Where I was just like I know this is good But I'm just really bored Of these main events
3: Aaron, we cannot get on the same page with this. We we should like knock. We should we should like one of us needs to get knocked off by a week because I thought this was awesome. That's I went so four and a half stars. I thought it was so good. This is like the exact
2: inverse of last time. Very funny.
3: But that's why one of us needs to like throw ourselves off by a week so that we're synced up, so that we both like the same matches and are bored by this. I just thought it was so good. I thought everyone. You know, obviously you go from a tag match to a six person and you have more people to deal with. I thought everyone played their role really well, including Mayu, who I think it was clear was probably, you know, by the fact that she was also pinned, was probably at the bottom of the six. But I thought she played her role really well as sort of, especially near the end, going up against Yoshiko as sort of this baby face in peril role, which I thought she did really well. At one point, uh, Natsuki did a drop kick drop kicked her and she went flying she went flying she bashed into the ropes. she fell over um i did have a question in the beginning as to why uh natsuki you and yoshiko who were all on a team looked like they were dressed like doctor they came out in these sort of white doctor robes which was sort of strange to me um but I just thought it was... I just thought everyone played their role really well. It was fast-paced. It was hard-hitting. You know, great kicks, but also people running around. I mean, Natsuki Tayo, who we've already talked about in previous shows, that I think that she is the glue that puts all of these really great matches together because she is so super talented that I just loved it. I thought it all came together. I thought it being 6 Person instead of a tag match, I think for you saying, oh, it's very similar to what it was before. I think for some reason it being six person instead of uh, two on two tag really helped it for me because I think, especially near the end, they were able to speed up in a way uh, because you're not just relying on one person, you know, to come in and keep the pace up. You have two other people on your team who can come in, you know, make pin saves, things like that. So I thought it was really awesome. I was um, super impressed with you, Yamagata. I'm glad to, you know, I sort of peeked ahead. I'm glad to see that she will be coming back and wrestling on more of these 2011 shows because I thought that she was really great and a great addition to the roster. So I really loved it.
2: I wanted to add, we didn't really say much about uh, Tomoka Nakagawa. And I wanted to add that she was also a Tai Dojo trainee who really kind of jumped around to lots of promotions throughout her career. Uh, She probably had, I mean, somebody who knows better is going to laugh at me, but she probably had some tie to Yu Yamagata because she also seems to focus more on Wave later in her career. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were uh, attached in some way.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of these people came from... Also, the Neo connection, which had obviously, we mentioned it when the promotion started, that there was some connection there, and that Nanai and Natsuki Tayo wrestled there. So that may have been the connection as well. But yeah, Nakagawa wrestled seemingly everywhere. Some people may know her or remember her from Shimmer, where she was a tag champion twice, once with, I think, Daisy Hayes, and the second time a few years later with Kelly Skater- Kelly skater right before Kelly skater. Sorry. Uh, right before she retired. Yeah. Sorry. I was having a weird, uh, I was having a weird moment. Um, but she was tag champs with her right before she retired. I think she retired back in 25th. So she is not wrestling anymore. Yu Yamagata is wrestling. She wrestles, I think most often in Marvelous. Nowadays she was with Wave for a number of years, but then switched over to Marvelous. Well, that's the stardom May 8, 2011 show. I think we're gonna we're gonna try to continue
2: this covering the the stardom, the older stardom shows. and we'll just kind of see how it plays out as far as when it fits on the show. But we hope to continue talking about them uh, when we can. I think the only thing left to do, Taylor, is to talk about uh, some shows that are coming up. you want to tell us about those?
3: Yeah, so these are some shows that are coming up sort of in the next two weeks. Uh, We talked about in the the news um, some shows that are happening in August and things like that. But these are shows that are happening in the next two weeks before we record our next episode. The first thing is Miyako Matsumoto announced uh, she is doing a digital Miyakoko Fest on June 30th, which we'll see, I believe, one match, Miyako Matsumoto and June Kasai versus Drew Parker and Rina Yamashita. Um, That is going to be streaming. They are actually encouraging overseas fans to check it out. I believe it's 2,000 yen to watch the show and they also have an offer for 5,000 yen and I believe that gets you into an after show zoom call with Miyako. As I said they are encouraging overseas fans so I believe there will be at least some you know maybe some English um, assistance if you're worried about watching a show all in Japanese or anything like that Um, but you can check it out you can check out Miyako's Twitter she's been tweeting about it so check it out there also I didn't mention this in the show catch-up uh, Chaco Pro has been continuing to run a lot of great shows they're all available on their YouTube but the big show coming up also on the 30th it will be a singles match Yuna Mizumori against Emi Sakura for those following Chaco Pro this has sort of been the match that has been built Really since the beginning of the promotion, Um, they're now on, I believe they're having their 27th show tonight, but that show on the 30th is a singles match between Yuna Mizumori and Emi Sakura, the big match. That will be streaming on YouTube and also on demand. You can check it out on the Gato Move YouTube if you want to go back and watch some of those Choco Pro shows. They're all available there. They're really fun watches, some really great matches, some interesting talent they just had Kaori Yonayama on for a few shows, so definitely worth checking out. As we mentioned on the last show, Makoto is producing a show for Nico Pro. They have finally decided they were between July 4th and 5th. They've decided that that show will air on July 4th. That is the one with the uh, main event trios match featuring Riho that we discussed in, on the last show. Oz Academy is returning uh, to doing shows. They will be doing a show on July 5th. Featuring a Sekigun um, eight-person tag in the main event, Mayumi Ozaki, Yumi Oka, Maya Yukihi, and Sayori Anui versus Sonoko Kato, Akino, Kaori, Yonayama, and Yu. Those, for those who watch Oz Academy, will probably be very similar to a lot of those main events. Very chaotic, a lot of interference. Don't know if that one will air on Niko or if it will air somewhere else but keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, Marvelous is running a show with fans at Shinkiba First Ring on July 6th. They've mentioned that it will be streaming somewhere. I don't think it'll be on Fresh Live TV. I think it'll be on some other service, but they haven't announced that officially yet. So also something to keep your eyes peeled for. And finally, Wave is going to have a show on July 7th. Nagasa Nosaki will defend the Regina de Wave title against yuki miyazaki and also sakura hirota will be defending the queen elizabeth title against kaori ito and tomoko watanabe so those are some shows to look out for in the next two weeks we will cover those shows on the next episode as long as they all make it to a streaming service that we can it's so exciting there's like matches new matches to watch some it is. It's like, oh, wrestling can happen and be and be current. And, if, you know, we can get excited about things that are to come and not just be like, what's going to be happening? Who knows?
2: Yeah, and there can be like fans at these shows, I think. So it's very exciting. Okay, well, I
3: think that's the show for uh,
2: this week. Make sure to look us up on Twitter at jbombio. I'm at Aaron like the car. Taylor is at Mambo. Subscribe to the show. Give us a rating and review if you're using the Apple podcast app. And you can also donate to the show at redcircle.com/shows/jumping-bomb-audio. But I think that's it. So for Taylor, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you next time.